Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett, and Matt Rice is out today, but I'm here with a special guest, Joe Klinker, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've worked in ministry for a long time and have seen just about everything, and as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive in and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Chris. Thank you for having me. Good. So for those of you guys who uh, don't know Joe, you know of Joe. Joe is uh, uh, t- started Tiny Saints with his wife back in 2013. So if you've ever been to a confirmation, first communion, or baptism, and you see these adorable little uh, saints, that is uh, that's, that comes straight from the heart and hands of Joe and his wife. Uh, Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the origin story of uh, how we get all these amazing little keychain looking things, um, trinkets all over the place with Tiny Saints. Sure. Well, we started about seven years ago. The idea came um, after we had lost a daughter who uh, she was stillborn, our daughter Melody, and we were talking with our other two children at the time uh, about heaven and trying to describe it to them. And A, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just used conceptually what we were trying to accomplish there. And one question they had in their mind, in their little child mind, was, uh, who is she with, right? Because she's a baby, so she can't be, what is it, who is she with? And so that conversation about the saints came up, and if you Google saint images, they're not exactly always the kind of images that are going to capture a kid's attention. Um, and uh, that's kind of how Tiny Saints was born. I had a little background in graphic design and communication and marketing and stuff. And um, so I joke around that one of the reasons that Tiny Saints designs are so simple is because that's the best I can do. So um, we... It, right after sort of designing that, I it, we realized this would really make a really neat little charm or keychain, and uh, the rest was history. Awesome, awesome, yeah. And I uh, I've been working in youth ministry for a number of years, and anytime a, a parent or confirmation sponsor is like, "What what should I get them?" Um, if you haven't checked out Tiny Saints yet, and I always tell them that, and they get so excited because I mean it's not just for kids. I guess it's for all ages, you know, because they they're adorable, but at the same time they're. It, I, there's a teen in our youth program that had over 40 of them. You know what I mean? Mm. Like collect them all. And I know there's more than 40, but, uh, but, but it almost got to the point to where it's like, slow down, buddy. Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, the design, yeah, you're right. And they're not most, in fact, most tiny things that get purchased are not for kids. And uh, mainly because kids don't have keys, but um, they're going to go on backpacks for kids. But one of the inspirations for it was a company that's been around for over 60 years now, I think in the design has, hasn't changed to any point that you'd really be able to notice it, which is Hello Kitty. And so there's sort of this idea of how, how could we create a timeless design and know that it's probably going to work out okay. Not that we're Hello Kitty by any means, but uh, there was a lot of thought that goes into that. And um, that's one of the, the interesting things about, I think, why our audience ranges from little little ones all the way up. Yeah. And, uh, and the reason why we have you on the show today isn't because you founded Tiny Saints or isn't because of Tiny Saints. Let me say this. It's mm-hmm. because you took a chance, right? And mm-hmm. so I wanted to uh, to have you share a little bit about uh, the entrepreneurial spirit of a ministry leader or why creativity and innovation are so needed to effectively share the gospel, which I think was modeled in the Tiny Saints story. Um, but it's, it's, it's something that I think ministry leaders, especially now during the midst of COVID and pandemic, but also as we combat relativism and also, also, also all these different reasons why we have to be nimble and respond and innovative and creative. And, uh, and I think you've modeled that very well over your uh, kind of your ministry. 
Well, thanks. And I think one of the things that uh, allowed me to be flexible and creative and kind of risk-taking was the fact that we were building on a centuries-old institution that had proven itself effective in engaging people with regards to the faith, meaning the sainthood, right? And so this wasn't, I didn't, we didn't invent the sainthood, fortunately. We just sort of said, hey, this is something that a lot of people relate to, even people who are outside the church. A, they're, they've heard of the saints, uh, but B, there's stories like, what, let's say Mother Teresa. I mean, she's a, you know, she's part of the lexicon now of saying, hey, I'm no Mother Teresa because yeah. they know what we're talking about. And um, you can go back and, and then also people who left the faith or um, folks whose families are maybe more culturally Catholic, right? Where they, St. Anthony is the family's favorite saint. That always means something to somebody. So you're not going to lose your audience. Um, when If you hand somebody a St. Anthony, tiny saint, they're, they, no matter how hard it's been for them or their faith journey has been, they're going to smile for a second and hopefully enjoy that. And so um, I, I, I say that because that made sort of the growth and risk-taking of Tiny Saints very appealing. I don't want to say easy, but something I felt confident in. Um, I had taken other risks in my life prior to Tiny Saints. Um, I went to the seminary. I was in the seminary for a couple of years. And so I knew that process of prayer and then decision and then big consequences, whether you're going in or leaving, it's always a challenging thing. And so I'd had those moments in my life where I had just been like, oh, Lord, what do I do? And how do I, you know... Not even how, just what do I do? Um, and anybody who's, let's say, if you've been married, you've experienced that before. If you're pondering having children or every, we've all had big decisions in life. Right. So I was looking for the peace as, um, in making the leap from uh, a military life. We were in the Coast Guard for 12 years uh, to something far less stable. And what it boiled down to was not just a, you know, a whisper in the middle of the night in the midst of a deep prayer. It was really paying attention to the world around me, the way things were working out around me, um, what the writing on the wall was for my future. So if you're in a place in your life where you're unhappy and there's no change in front of you anticipated and you think that you're just going to magically become happy, um, to stop and think, hey, that, that doesn't add up. If, if I, are, are there changes I could I could make that could lead to that happiness that right. That's where the risk comes in. The risk taking and the jump has to happen. So uh, for, for us, it was the, that military life. And then uh, in 2013, we um, made the leap into the entrepreneur experience, um, which is as bad as everyone makes it out to be right. Anybody who's been through it or is going to go through it. Um, it's, there's the stories of sleeping in your car. There's the story of wondering where the next rent payment's going to come from and all that. And the same, that was all there for us, which felt crazy because at that time we had three kids. And, yeah. but I think knowing I was joke as a husband and father, like 99% of your questions are answered <laughs> in life that this is what you need to do. This is your priority. So whatever works for that role in you. Uh, sometimes yeah. the answers come in br brutal ways. Like, no, yeah. you shouldn't be doing this in your life. Yeah, right. you know? yeah. yeah. Um, so a couple of things that I that I see is uh, it, there is risk involved, but you were able to kind of look at a couple of things and, and have calculated risk. And that calculating the risk is actually part of the discernment process. So you discerned, you prayed, you felt also excited and energized. Another thing you mentioned is that if, if you're seeking that there might be happiness on the other side, it says to me that I believe that God actually desires us to have fulfillment, right? So if you are dissatisfied as a ministry leader right now, it's okay to think, how can I utilize creativity or some of the things that I have expertise in 
or some of the things that have been stable, right? And so you said <laughs> sainthood. Everyone loves a hero story. And here we are with these these saints. Why not uh, lean into that? Because that's kind of evergreen, so to speak. Um, and I also think, and you didn't mention it, but I also kind of saw that there's a nostalgic factor in kind of the saints, you know what I mean? To where it's like, yeah. oh, I grew up at this parish or this saint yeah. or everyone's childhood at some point had a saint, kind of a family saint or a, you know, a special saint to them. Um, and then years go by and all of a sudden someone hands you a, a, a cute little tiny saint and you're like, you're taken back, you know what I mean? And uh, mm -hmm. I think that there's something powerful about that. I look at those who are struggling in, uh, in marriages and I, I think that if just every month you sat down and you watched your wedding video and went back to the start, your marriage would be healthier. You know what I mean? Mm. How do we capture that nostalgia? Um, because it's it's valuable. And I don't just mean fiscally valuable from an entrepreneurial, uh, you need to feed the family side, but it's also valuable ministerially because it brings us back to our, our origins. And that's why that's why the Garden of Eden is so powerful. That's why, you know, the, the birth of Jesus, this season of Advent, you know, it's also powerful because it's it brings us back. Yeah, yeah, and I and with tiny saints or with the saints in general, <clears throat> one thing that they offer it, with that stability <clears throat> and that nostalgia, they're also very approachable. So we always say that um, tiny saints are one one of the things we want to be. We feel like we're the shallow end of a very very deep pool. Yes, um, right where where people can feel comfortable um, and where we feel like. Uh, we're not just trying to pretend that all the the amazing truths and life and love that comes from our faith can be captured in you getting a good feeling from a tiny saint. We just want you to know, hey, there's plenty more where that came from, right? Yeah. And um, and to feel it because I think that we overwhelm, right? It, we so quickly, and it's part of our nature. And speaking from a ministry perspective. You have this, people are in it because they're passionate about it. And we forget that it's the audience has got to come first. Where are they? And, and we all do this, right? We talk about meeting people where they're at. I think that's harder than we make it out to be. I think we have to give ourselves permission really to really, really say, this is not about me or being righteous or being, or, or nailing it right now. How low can you go? And um, otherwise, Every, every all of our effort can not only can it be ineffective, it can have the opposite effect. So what I love about that is uh, like your tiny saying of St. Thomas Aquinas, it doesn't come with a copy of the Summa, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So it, it, and you guys, you guys, and I don't want to say stay in your lane, but you recognize in that process, in the conversion process, in the formation process, whatever it may be, that you guys are going to put in excellence into the piece that you guys are, and you guys are the, the handshake to the saint, the introduction to the saint, or the, the springboard to a deeper relationship with the saint, or an awakening to the saint. Everything else, th those are other people's things, right? And so you, you look at some of the different yes. websites out there on saints and some of the different books and materials that you could go into on each saint. And you're like, you are cheering them on, but you're not doing that as well. You are recognizing my role is here and I'm going to do this very well. Yeah. I think sometimes ministry leaders, um, they seek to be all things to all people. And, and I think that that's dangerous. I look at my own programming when I was at the parish and I had programming specifically for those who were just entering into the faith that were having that initial curiosity. And then I had programs for those that were ready to go deeper and then programs for those who were ready to start sharing the faith as well. So we had different pieces along the way. 
But if I did just one program that sought to capture everything, I would have a bad program. So I need well, to figure out where, where, I, where I can add the most value and how to do it in the stage that that person is at. That's, uh, and that's a, such a healthy <clears throat> way to look at either what you were doing or what your mm-hmm. listeners are doing. Um, and then from an entrepreneurial perspective, it's counterintuitive to what the world tells you, the way you should run your business. Oh, what, do you, what, is your, what do your uh, customers want? What do they want? What are they asking for? And um, the idea, though, being, look, we, there's a lot of things that you could slap Tiny Saints on and sell right? And um, just what, whatever it is. And, and the idea we've had from the start was, well, A, what are we trying to accomplish? Because if we want to just make a quick buck, uh, let's, let's put them, we, we always say beach balls because we just know that that would never happen. So we hope <laughs> if you say something else, I mean, who knows we might do it. But like Tiny Saints Beach Ball, because it's a quick promo click online, you buy a Tiny Saints Beach Ball. We would never do it because even though somebody would buy them. Right. Um, because we're then we're leaving our mission behind. And for entrepreneurs, it's very tempting to say, well, I'm trying to make money and, and I'm trying to. But what can you do to instead nurture what you have, nurture your strengths um, and, and pay attention to the gifts that God has given you? Because going back to something you had mentioned before um, it, about the idea that really God answers so many of our questions in our talents and in our passions. And we feel like sometimes we skip over it and we're like, I, you know, I really want to be a, you know, I really want to be a a trumpet player. Um, but God, that's not practical. So what do you really want me to do? And meanwhile, I was like, what do you think I made you want to be a trumpet player for? Right. Right. And, and so, uh, with tiny saints, what, what we ended up doing was I, I didn't really, I didn't want to build an empire, right? I didn't want to become the Walt Disney of the Catholic church or whatever. I just wanted to be really, really proud of something that I could be really, really good at. And I could be really, really good at this thing that was in my head, which was tiny saints and be, and feel like, um, I'm continue to just pay attention to that and go after that. And entrepreneurs don't, we don't, we don't really think like that. We're always thinking outward. And I think that the real growth of Tiny Saints has been a result of turning inward and nurturing that garden in front of us, which is a challenge for me. I have to thank my wife for that because my wife was always the one like, hey, calm down. Like, what do we, we don't need this. We don't need that. We don't need to grow fast. What we have right in front of us is very good. And so I learned that from her and I'm hopefully you know, going to continue in that direction because it, it feels good. And I think that feeling is of God and an answer to a prayer that I pray every day. So then to that, to that degree, I love the garden analogy. How do you nurture creativity or how do you nurture innovation, especially in a season in the church where uh, we we have to try new things for a variety of reasons, whether it be the pandemic or the, uh, you know, the, the, the numbers that are slipping away in a variety of different demographics. Well, this is like grossly uncapitalistic of me to say, but one thing is to eliminate this idea for me is eliminate this idea of competition um, in the sense that that's what drives you. We have our quote unquote, I'm doing finger quotes here, right? Quote unquote competition. um, And there's a couple companies and, and we're friends with them. Like we really linked up and tried to help each other grow. Uh, We all met at the same events years ago and whatever it is. And that's not to say I don't believe in market competition because there's companies I don't like at all who have who have done things and that I compete with who I don't get along with at all. Right. And um, and so the but the idea what I'm getting at 
is to focus instead on what we can uh, accomplish between us and the customer. And um, that I think what that does is that helps you stay uh, highly focused on what's in your heart and in your mind uh, through the gifts that you've been given instead of trying to pick from others or beat someone else there. And so, again, I'm a competitive guy, so I'm not dismissing competition, but um, so there's already so much in us that we can pay attention to. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. If, if And I, I was back in uh, a parish years ago, and there was a team that was just a rock star. He had a golden voice. He, he played in a worship band, and uh, he, he would play at our youth program, and he would also play at the youth program across town. And all of a sudden, the youth minister started fighting over who does this team belong to. Mm. Um, we were fighting over someone who had already been captured. Meanwhile, there's literally thousands of teens between our parish boundaries that haven't been captured yet. And we're fighting back and forth to capture this one. And so when, when you start wanting to win or beat someone, yeah. you take your eyes off of serving the client as whereas if you're collaborative, you're like, how can we, he's at my youth group on Wednesday nights, he's at your youth group on Sunday nights. How can we best serve him and collaborate in a way that grows him in holiness while he's here and while he's there? How can we complement each other? I think sometimes we forget that because we feel threatened. And sometimes we feel threatened by Protestant brothers and sisters. Sometimes we, we feel threatened by, by ideas that didn't come from within our organizational structure. There's a variety of different ways where I think sometimes the Lord seeks to bless us, even if they don't have the Catholic name behind them. Mm -hmm. What could, what could we learn? And I mean, you mentioned it too. You baptized Hello Kitty. Like that was kind of a, a <laughs> quick way to say tiny saints is you baptized Hello Kitty. And that's awesome. You got, we have a lot to learn from other organizations that are reaching people, even if they're reaching them in secular ways, like how can we reach them as well? You know? Yeah. And, 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 and the, what, and the reason bringing up competition is so <clears throat> important is because uh, specifically for business, that's what you're taught, right? That's what business schools teach you. That's the American way. And I have a lot of that to thank for being able to feed my family off of something, doing something I love. Uh, but at the same time, probably some of the worst challenges we've been through is, is from this obsession with not just competition, but how big can we get? How hard can we drive? Right. And the movie, the Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot, I, I don't know, I love that movie. And he's uh, he makes furniture. And I just, whenever I see this scene where he's working in his wood shop on his furniture, I'm like, man, that seems nice. Like He's just trying to build a good chair to sell to good people. So people can have a nice place to sit before they die. Like that's yeah. the life that we're, you know? And um, so if we're able to go that small, that's what we want to do. In fact, that's what we're trying to really focus on in 2021 with a, a year in 2020, tiny saints. I mean, after a year in 2020, which has hopefully reminded all of us that there's nothing wrong with staying small and, yeah. and let's all take a deep breath and uh, see value in that because there really is. Aim small, miss small. A <laughs> quote from the Patriot. There awesome. it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. That's also a throwback to an episode about two podcasts ago. Um, great. Um, so in regards to uh, kind of the innovative side, um, there's a lot of hurdles that, that, that kind of come. And I think a lot of those hurdles are from within, right? How do you deal with the, uh, the self-doubt, the anxiety, the uh, insecurity, uh, or even um, that to a degree, there are some ministry leaders out there that if I take this risk and it doesn't work out, then people might not see me as doing my job. Well, I could possibly lose my job if this doesn't land. How can you take risks in that type of an environment? What, what are your thoughts to encourage our listeners? 
my honest response is that idea of where do we find our self-worth, which is as a child of God. And that is an easy answer if you've ever dabbled in experiencing what that feels like, because I certainly don't feel it every second of the day, but I've touched it at times in my life and been like, oh man, I want to live here, right? And where there is no earning your keep, you know, that you're, you're no earning his love. There is no earning a sense of self-confidence. It's there. And um, so I, I want to give that answer because that's a very true answer. It's just a challenging place to get, unfortunately. Right. right. And so um, when it comes to the self-confidence, let's say isolated from that, but just sort of the practical, the every, every man's experience with, with regards to self-confidence and taking these risks, um, I would say hyper-focus on what you love and are good at. And if you can find a way to silence the rest of the world, you can't do it on the spot. You can't do it on the, at the beginning. It's just not possible. But you're going to see that as you follow that path that you feel driven to follow and your heart feels called to follow, that you're going to succeed because that's what God is calling you to. And God doesn't operate in the world with failure. It's not his goal. Not, and I don't mean failure, like losing money or whatever. I just mean, are you feeling satisfied and fulfilled in what you're doing? Because like right. you said earlier, that's what we're called to. So it's funny how quiet those noises on the outside get as we feel more fulfilled to the point where you actually start to pity the world who is formulating opinions of what you're doing or over-concerned. And rat racing, right? They're yeah, just and, running. Then, and they're rat racing. Yes, yeah, and, yeah. And, then you, and then you don't want to turn around and go, oh, I, I did this so much better. They're different. You hopefully become so self-confident in what you're doing yourself that you actually wish that for them. You wish, hey, if the rat race is what you want, then, then uh, sounds actually a little easier than risking your, you know, life savings every month. To, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I, it sounds cliche, but I teach this to my own kids or I want my kids to hear, see this from, from me, that idea that success as it's measured in America can be uh, very off and to say, Hey, you know, you see it all the time. I feel successful and blessed. Why? because you're healthy and wealthy or is it because you feel good about who you are as a child of God and as a person and in, mm-hmm. and in your heart. So I want my kids to know guys, whatever you want to be when you get older, um, that I have your back. So hopefully they get a little bump in that confidence right off that. And I think that, uh, that, that type of mentality, especially as you said, lean into some of the this unique gifts and talents that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, gives you permission to wow people, to amaze people, to surprise people. Um, and so I think about sometimes people, like especially the professional ministry leaders out there, um, have a job description. And sometimes we feel caged by the job description. And listening to you, Joe, I want to encourage people to live above their job description. And so, yes, you hit all the things, you check all the boxes, do it. But then if you have a talent for graphic design, then design the best flyers that the church, the best bulletin that the church has ever seen. You know what I mean? I think about the website and social media and all these different areas, like go and blow people away. If you can sing, then bring that into your ministry, right? Well, that's, that's not in my job description, right? So knock out everything else in your job description and incorporate music while you're doing that, because that's your gifting. That's your talent. That's where we should innovate is in our unique gifting and our unique talent. God puts you there for a reason with the gifts and talents that you have. And sometimes I feel like in ministry, 
uh, job descriptions, and sometimes the culture. Some some parish staffs and things like that can feel very uh, stuffy, so to speak, yeah. you know, or yeah. whatever, to where you don't have a lot of those freedoms to innovate or, or different things like that. Do it above and beyond. If that's it, I mean, you're like, I want to do this instead. It's like, well, do that in addition to and allow that entrepreneurial spirit, that creativity and innovation to take place in those areas. And then watch people step back and wonder. <laughs> and that sense of wonder is something that God desires. I mean, it's why kids are such good examples and good models of what it means to chase after Jesus, because they're just curious. Mm. They're so curious, you know. So Well, it's that old saying that I, you know, I'd rather look back and regret <clears throat> the things that I did do than the things I didn't do. And I think for, um, in ministry especially, you're inherently going to be a creative person. I don't mean you're artistic or you're musical or whatever, but you're creative, you're thinking, you're putting something out there, you're creating. And so that's going to be in the nature of everyone. So to say, hey, I'm going to hit this job description and find fulfillment, uh, I don't know, I can't speak to it because it's not necessarily a world that I live in all the time, but it seems uh, like almost obvious that you're going, there's more to you than that job description. Um, so now, yeah, I don't know. I probably just reiterating what you're saying, but if it's hard to find, I think one of the people, things people struggle a lot with in the church is finding a support system where the minds that sort of control what you're allowed to do or not do, or, um, will, they don't have the vision that you do because it's, it's a big and very tired time for the church. Right. And so, gosh, who wants to introduce this or who want, you know, if, let's say you want to bring different instruments into ministry. You know, we all know how like political that something that simple can get right. and how com- complicated. And so when other people are going, well, why don't you just do this? You go, there's so much more to the story. That's why. Yeah. And to identify those things that you feel so strongly about that you say, hey, this is worth it. Instead of a hundred things, can you find one or two? We say, this is worth the push. And if I fail, I'm going to at least be proud that I tried. Well, and to speak to that, like, there's something about you being on that parish team, wherever you are for the ministry leaders out there in this season, in this time, because uh, Joe, tiny saints would not have worked a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. The technology did not exist for Mm -hmm. a a, a blooming graphic designer to be able to do something like this. You know what I mean? And so it was this season in, in human history that you were planted and prompted, inspired, and you took creativity and innovation. Those gifts were given at a certain time. And, uh, and again, the gift that you are to your parish staff, for those who are professional ministry leaders or full-time or even volunteers, the ideas that you're given, it's in this time, in this season, in the midst of the craziness of the pandemic and all that stuff, now is when you are called to share those gifts. Because if he wanted them 50 years ago, he would have put you in that position 50 years ago. If he wanted 100 years from now. And so you have to think like, okay, God has given me these gifts. And woe to you if we should withhold, Right. Like yeah. we, we cannot, we cannot, otherwise we have that regret. Well, and this isn't just Chris and Joe saying this, right? This is the, the, you know, Pope Francis has put, if you go back, I, you know, I'm, all of the popes in the 20th century touched on the importance of reclaiming the creativity in the church, whether it was artistically, musically, John Paul II has this great, it's called the letter to artists. And um, any creative can read that and go, oh my goodness, I feel like I just got a permission slip to 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 go with my heart and follow this. And in a world where, you know, engineering and science and things like that are, are you know, that's where kind of a real need is in terms of things that we're learning. There's still this immense need for creativity and the heartwarming emotional products uh, like Tiny Saints that, you know, something else has to be fulfilled too. So 
uh, I guess what I'm getting at is listen to what our church has said to us over the years. And it's never been, hey, enough with the you know acoustic guitar playing around the campfire youth ministries. We get it. They're not saying that. They're saying, oh my goodness, you guys are the future. You, you are what inspires me. Right. Um, and, and, and there's an obviousness to that. Um, but yeah, so that's what I mean. It's not just you and me and, the, and our ideas from a podcast, but instead a, a long tradition of the church being front and center on these groundbreaking changes, whether it's science or art or whatever it is that we're kind of losing. So why not? Where, where else do we think it comes back? It's us. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. So last one, I want to actually do the other side of kind of our conversation. We've encouraged creativity uh, and, and you've modeled kind of that entrepreneurial spirit with your story. Um, what if we've landed, right? And so there was probably a time with Tiny Saints where you guys are like, we're successful. That's awesome. And then everyone's like, more, 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 give me more, give me more. And at what point are you like, no, I cannot start chasing the next thing. I just have to sit with the success that we've had here and -hmm. continue to nourish it. You know, so, so how do you, how do you tap the brakes or how do you know when it's time to say, let, let's sit with the success and just let it, let it have deeper roots, grow deep roots. Well, that your time, the, the fact that you're asking me that makes me feel really good about what our plan is for next year because um, it's exactly along those lines in answering that question. And so t- for Tiny Saints, it was recent. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, the path of building a business is really difficult. So early on, all you can think about is growth because if you don't, you're like, all right, well, I'm risking. The risk here is that I need to grow. And if I yeah. don't, then I'm in deep trouble. And so that's not really a question then. And then you get to a place where you feel a little more stable, but not necessarily stable enough to say, Hey, if we have a slip up or if a pandemic breaks out, then I'm going to be okay. So, uh, it's been seven years for us. We have, uh, two of my daughters, um, are, have chronic illnesses and that threw our life for a loop a couple years ago where, um, we've learned what it means to be a caretaker um, and to, and what that can do, uh, and the challenges that that puts on a family. Uh-huh. And so uh, I, it really, at that point became, all right, enough of, of the bigger, better, badder, more trade shows, more of this, more of that. Um, it's all about here now. It's all about making sure we can get the family healthy, um, and that uh, we have a stability. So anyway, we just got there recently where we we said, okay, look, we're good on employees. We have the best team in the world. We have friendships, family. I don't know how we're getting away with it because it's really difficult to work with friends and family. Um, but we, we, we really want to do is turn and look inward. And uh, I think this whole COVID crisis has put us all in a position to feel a little more confident about saying it's not about how big and bad you can get. It's about finding joy in the moments of life and the little things of life because we're not here forever. So we got to that point, I guess, through just our own evolution. But I think you know it when you see it. The hard thing as an entrepreneur is to have the self-discipline to look at those around you. And like I said before, I credit it to my wife. My wife saying, do we, we got it, Joe. We good. Let's just live in this. And I've seen the peace and joy that came from, she's like that, this half of me that I don't have in my own brain. (laughs) So I don't know if that, I hope that answers the question. That does. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's an insight to where sometimes just resting 
in, in the garden, you know what I mean, so mm-hmm. to speak. And it allows some of those things to, to take deeper root because then you can nurture or nourish. I also noticed that there, there's a blessing and I know this is always so, so strange to say, but your, your children's illness forced you guys to stop doing trade shows and stop you know chasing, chasing, chasing. And then the pandemic hit you couldn't find a trade show if you wanted to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At this point, right. you know what I mean? So you guys had already figured out how to stabilize your business model. And then the disruption came. And, uh, and, and we have to think about that. We have to look at those things because I think there's something amazing for a, a, a let's say youth ministry that goes from 100 youth to, or, or even 15 youth to hundred youth, right? It's amazing. Except it might not be amazing for those original 15 who now mm-hmm. all of a sudden feel like they, they got lost in the numbers, you know? And so at what point do we say, let's, let's let the roots go deeper as opposed to go wider. Um, it's something yep. to discern for every ministry leader. Okay. So we are at time, Joe, this has been amazing. Your insights have been so valuable. How do people find you and, uh, and, and kind of look you up if they were like, Joe, I really like this. Tell me more about this idea or this concept. Awesome. Well, there's always tinysaints.com, um, but I'm Joe at tinysaints.com. I'd love to hear from anybody. And Chris, I appreciate the opportunity to talk. We've all been so isolated that it's nice to uh, speak with you and someone like you and uh, just get to share some thoughts. Yeah. And more intimate is you can see us. We've got this on our YouTube channel as well. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, thank you, Joe, for joining us. And thank you guys for joining us today. Let's continue the conversation online and please send any feedback you have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. The Tiny Saint story is just so fun to hear, fun to share. And there's other people that need that nudge to be creative, to be amazing, to live above their, uh, their, their job description. And uh, finally, you guys here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders to reflect on how you can innovate. And we will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. Thank you.